It's the heart of the lion and wings of death. It's midnight on the Atari ST show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Atari ST show. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Wings of Death. Cool name. Would you call yourself a nervous flyer, Aaron? You know, I thought I was going to be real nervous, you know? Uh, I've only flown a few times. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't as nervous as I thought. You go to that state in my head where it's like, well, I could die. Mm -hmm. I hope I don't. You know, and you think about the odds, you know, of that. But, what if uh, the pilot came on the intercom and said, Welcome aboard the Wings of Death. Well, if he looked like the guy on the box here with a big, huge, protruding jaw and a beak nose and weird hair, and he was making that grimacing face, then yes, I would assume that we were all going to be killed. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially you know, if, if you play this game. If, if you're flying in, the, in that dragon or you're screwed. We're not going to go into this too much on the show proper, so I want to talk about it now. Is this the worst box art you've ever seen? Is it the worst I've ever seen? It's real. It's no, and I'll tell you why. All right, because it's and to explain this to the people, it's the radio. The box art's a man in profile with like picture the hair off the guitarist from Queen, and then picture a guy who's got a jaw that protrudes out an extra two inches, and it ends in like a point, and his mouth's open, and his nose is long too, almost like a beak. And he's going like, ah, making you know that's the way I picture it. He's in agony. But you gotta admit, it's thought provoking, and it also works with the plot of the game. Yeah, you know. So, so I'm gonna say no. I just think about like he looks very uncomfortable. He doesn't look like he's having a good time. Well, I mean, yeah, but the plot of the game. That's I know. I will say I don't. It's one thing I don't like. I hate every box that has the fake rip. At the, you know, across the front. Mm-hmm. This also has that. So mm-hmm. when you add that plus the the weirdo, I mean, it's near the bottom. Yeah. I hate. I don't like. I don't like games that have the fake rip because you think, oh crap, it's ripped. I like you the know? real rip, rip torn, <laughs> or rip Taylor. Mm-hmm. Either one of those guys. Yeah. Aaron, it's time to leave the banter and talk about this week's Atari. <laughs> Is that ST what that show? was? You know, this week's Atari ST show, Aaron. It's brought to you by our patrons, and in particular, Game Selection Committee members Salem OK, Richard Davey, and Dave Velociraptor. So, if you enjoy the Atari ST Show, please check out patreon.com slash Atari ST Show to see how you can make this a weekly podcast. And if that little bit of banter hasn't won you over yet, nothing will. There's only one thing that can win anyone over for this game, Boat. It's the haunting love theme. Let's hear it. Listen, when you that guy, I don't know who's saying that. Words of death. This game's opening. It's got it's got like six openings. Did you notice that when it comes on? Yeah. It just there's the uh, yeah the the Thalian like dripping opening. Then there's the picture opening. Then there's the scrolling opening. There's like ten openings. Well, these guys again. When you come out of the demo scene, this is what you're best at. You're best at the opening. <laughs> I see. Good point, boat. Yeah. Yeah. 
So let's talk a little bit about Wings of Death. So Wings of Death is a shoot 'em up game that is developed by Eclipse Software Design and published by Thalion Software. Um, Eclipse Aaron was a German outfit that was founded in 1990 by a guy named Mark Rosaka. Okay, and uh, wow. he, he was over. Boat. He was over in Hale, Aaron. Hale, not that's not how we say hell here in West Virginia. Uh, it was in Hale, Germany. Okay, uh, and Mark was actually one of the members of Thalion. So Thalion was a German video game development company and publisher that was founded in 1988 by Holger Flotman and former members of a well-known Atari demo group called The Exceptions. They were also known as TEX, because if you're a demo group, you got to have a cool guy name. Yeah, um, like a short so one. Thalion was active in the late 80s and the early 90s. They were primarily focused on developing games for the ST, the Amiga, and the PC. Uh, you may have heard their their biggest games were probably Amber Moon, that role-playing game that I think, I don't know if it ever actually got released, because I know that they're always talking about like Amber Moon and several sequels coming out these days on the Amiga. Um, they also developed No Second Prize, which is that racing game. And Lionheart, one of your all-time favorite games, Aaron. The, the, the cream of the crop on that's, the Amiga, Lionheart. That's right. So, they could make nothing else, and they were done. That was a great game. This, you know, Thalion, this, this, the, the evolution of Thalion is a little bit confusing because what happened was when Thalion ran on hard times in the early 90s, they were acquired by Areola Soft. Um, Horrible name. Yeah, <laughs> and... Uh, and um, and they uh, and what happened was is that um, the guy that started Thalion, uh, Mark, he actually founded the Eclipse label so he could stay independent. He can do independent game development, and so that was that was happening during the development of Wings of Death. And so uh, he actually uh, Eclipse actually kind of broke free completely from the grave of Thalion and his corporate overlords. And uh, Eclipse actually became a first-party developer for Atari, for the Atari ST and the you know, hmm. Atari computer. So um, Eclipse uh, did a lot of stuff on the Atari ST and the Amiga. They all were also responsible for some JAG games, Aaron. Oh, man. That's right. The Iron Soldier series was oh. all, all made by Eclipse Software Digital. Those are pretty popular, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Aaron, I know what a fan of the system you are of this. They actually made a Nuon game. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah. Wow. They did a Nuon game. Iron Soldier 3 got a port to the Nuon. Oh, so yeah. Maybe, who is the guy? Is it Tapes from the Crypt that has a, a Nuon? One of the guys yeah. coming to Boat Fest this year. Yeah, there's supposed to be a, a, a Nuon at Boat Fest. And the funny thing is the Nuon, it, it doesn't emulate hardly at all. We When me and Britt played it, we could only get like two at two and a half games to even work on the emulator. So, I mean, it's it's a rarity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they also How did some, they also did some port work. Eclipse did uh, Last Ninja on Atari ST. And check this out, Aaron. This was one for Pajaco. They ported Burnout to J2ME. Oh, neat. Yeah. Like Burnout the Racing Burnout Game? Burnout the Racing Game, right? Oh, how cool. Yeah. I'll have to try that out. Those J2ME games are a lot of fun. So Eclipse Eclipse uh, doing, doing work across multiple generations of games. So... Let's talk a little bit about Wings of Death. So in Wings of Death, you control a wizard, okay? The wizard's name is Sagir. Sagir. He's been uh, transformed into a some sort of winged creature, Birdman, by an evil sorcerer named Zandrilia, okay? 
So like what you're chick, doing, right? What's that? It's she's a chick. Sorceress. She's a chick. Yeah, an yeah. evil sorceress. Sorry, not sorcerer. Can't have his uh, no no self respecting sorcerer would have a name like Xandrilia. So the objective of Wings of Death <laughs> is that you've got to go through. You got to shoot up Xandrilia and the minions, and uh, so Sagir can get back to his his human form. Okay, uh, you're you're navigating through seven levels. Uh, and you collect power-ups, you destroy enemies. It's your typical vertically scrolling uh, shoot 'em up uh, Aaron, what were your thirst thoughts when you fired up uh, Wings of Death? Well, you know, I'm going to keep it real, Bode, with our ST people out here. We've not been on what I would call the best streak of ST games. And so when I saw that this was a Thalion game, and, and I mean, it's sort of joking now, but I really do love Lionheart. And so a studio that would make that game, I thought, okay, this these guys are going to be the guys to like put, play something out here that I could really get into. So I've been super-duper hype to play this one, uh, Boat. So it has, like I said, the uh, the opening, the, the droplet opening is right out of one of their other games. They had a Kung Fu game, or I don't remember the name of it exactly, that we, that we played one time. Uh, a Shaolin game or something. I had the exact same kind of drippy opening, so I recognized that. I was more excited. The music kicked up. It's got multiple themes, uh, and then you start the game. The game, it's a unique game if you think about it, because most of these sorts of games aren't, like, based in, like, a, in magic, as it were. You know what I mean? I mean, it's usually just like you're a ship. You're fighting, uh, you know, bad guys. You're blowing stuff, sort of like a Xevious or mm-hmm. something. Uh, and so this game really comes at the whole genre with a, in a different way. Having your guy, it's almost reminds me of like a, it's almost like uh, the theme from uh, Shadow of the Beast, where you're trying to regain your humanity, right, you know, that right. shtick. And so in uh, this game, yeah, you start out as a small insect. You're like a little like bee looking thing, and uh, you're flying through a castle. And as you defeat enemies, they turn into these black orbs. And inside each black orb is a small symbol or there will be a certain amount of points that you can collect. And so whenever you uh, whenever you collect one of these upgrades, your insect actually turns into something more powerful. So you can turn into a bat, or what you really want is you really want to be a dragon. Because, I mean, you know, who wants to not be anything but a dragon? That's, that's the number one thing to be when you're playing a shooting game. So mm. um, now uh, enemies also release anti-power-ups, and these anti-power-ups are marked with a skull and one of the distinctive features about this game is and i would really like to know who this guy is they they got a guy in to do a british guy to do these voiceovers yeah and so whenever you collect the power up it will say like bat or it'll say like speed you know and it's your typical 16-bit era voice sample it's not super high quality uh and it's very repetitive but when you hit a skull you hear him go Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. because he's laughing at you. What kind of developer does that? That's no good. You hear good, that man. a lot too, because there's yeah. tons and tons of. There's more skulls than anything in this game. Yeah. So you're gonna hear that quite a bit. Yeah, and whenever you hit one of those skulls, it downgrades your weapon or it it, it brings your energy level down. Now this game does feature uh, an energy bar. It's not a one hit kill game, thankfully. Uh, and your energy bar looks kind of like one of those like Tesla coils or something. It's uh, it's got a uh, it looks like an in, a beam of of energy of pulsating energy. And you start out. This is a game that the energy bar kind of works in reverse. You start out with nothing there, and your energy bar fills up with this energy 
and when it gets to the top that's when you die real um, goofy yeah it's goofy i wish that it would have been the other way you want to lose energy to yeah die. Uh, but anyway, also your lives are marked are are, are uh, kind of personified by an ank, one of those weird uh, cross with the circle things. So, an ank, yeah, an ank. I never heard it pronounced like that. Is it? I thought it was those ank. I always say ank. ank. <laughs> Just ank it. But up, doesn't ank sound goofier to you than ank? <laughs> it's like ank. It's, it's like the hillbilly way of saying ank. <laughs> yeah, ank. I prefer, I prefer ank junior myself. But uh, <laughs> I get one boat. Uh, anyway, uh, so. You go through all of these, uh, all these levels. They, you've got the first level is like a castle, uh, and at the end of the castle, there's a three-headed dragon boss. Uh, then yeah. you go onto a jungle. There's a swamp. You go through all of these different environments, and um, you know one of the things that's so impressive about Wings of Death is just there's so much stuff on the screen. I mean, this game was released in 1990. And there's just buckets and buckets of bullets and enemies and everything's going at different speeds. And the thing is, is that there's not a whole, like I ran into a couple sections of slowdown, but by and large, this game moves fast and it moves smooth. Um, you know, one of the things that people always mention when they talk about this game is because this game was coded by former demo scene programmers, the game runs in a full, you know, if you're playing in PAL, it's 50 hertz, you're playing in NTSC, 60 hertz. It scrolls. And it also has digitized music and sound effects at the same time. Yeah. So this game, from a technical standpoint, is impressive. How did you feel like it played? Well, and by the way, you should, even in the options menu, and, and when you're playing, if you had, I think it was the uh, uh, control button, something like that, it would actually switch uh, frequency on the fly. Yeah, yeah. Which was nice. Uh, I thought it, just strictly on the play. The scrolling on this is nice. Uh, uh, it This is one of the best... With all the stuff going on the screen, everything on this, plus the music, plus the sound effects, you're thinking to yourself, why isn't all the games like this in mm -hmm. terms of the ability to do this stuff? You know, we've always heard, ah, oh, the Atari, it's not this, he's not the best at scrolling. It's, always, it's doing all this stuff. Where we haven't, we've also even heard, like, the music, and uh, the only... I played this on the... Uh, on the uh, STN on the Amiga. You want to flip over and go ahead and sure. do that? And and I can tell you that for the most part, uh, they played almost identically. I mean, so, I mean, I, I guess that's a compliment, or I don't know what it is. The only real differences I could find were that the Amiga, the, the digitized voice and stuff sounded a smidge better mm -hmm. to me. But otherwise... I found little difference. I mean, if you look, if you're looking at our side by side right now, I mean, they're eerily similar. Yes. You know, so what does this tell you, Boat? What it tells me is that we've been getting shortchanged by we, I mean, the ST gaming at law, public at large, because I think that more could have been squeezed. And it's just like anything else. You've got a crew of guys that know what they're doing. They know how to manipulate this hardware in ways that other people don't know. You know, and so what happens? They blow your mind when they do stuff that you didn't know was possible. Mm -hmm. uh, this game, both mentioned, there's so much moving around the screen at one time. I mean, the tile sets in this are nice for the most part. I hated the second level. I will say, I yeah. didn't like the look of it. Yeah, it was my like least favorite. But the rest of the levels, I think, are neat. You don't just go through, you don't just go through, like, uh, 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 the woods or whatever. I mean, you're going through castles. You're going through like ancient ruins and stuff like that. And, it's, and there's a it's like a snow level. It's interesting. There's tons of different enemies. 
You know, I mean, each level has its own set of enemies, so that kept it fresh. The music's thumping, like new tunes on all the levels. So, I mean, yes, from a presentation standpoint, I mean, I thought this was real nice. I mean, is this you know, triple parallax scrolling, volumetric fog? No, but what it does do, it does quite well. Yeah, I mean, there's really not a whole lot to dislike about this game. I mean, uh, the graphics are stunning. The music is great. This is some of my favorite 16-bit computer music I've ever heard. Like, the tunes are like real tunes. It's not some yeah. stupid club beat. Like, this has got melody. It's got interesting harmonies. I really, really, really like this music. Uh, the Like you said, the variety of enemies is not something that's commonly seen in shooters on 16-bit computer platforms. Usually, yeah. you get really lazy attempts at enemies, or you have enemies that look really good, and they repeat over and over and over again. I'm looking at you, Banshee. So, this is is a game that really stands out and i'm really surprised that i've never played this before because i do like a good vertical shooter and uh this is just it's it's very very good i didn't think it was too hard i thought that the challenge like if i would have kept at it i'm sure i could have beaten that first boss and gone on um i don't know is there a password system in this game i can't remember that would be one thing that I would I would it would be nice to have. There must be something because there's a I put in a hack that let me pick levels. Yeah, to there play is a level. So there's there's of course there's was, a trainer that lets you do whatever you want. Now, um I but, will say I didn't know if we were going to get into the actual gameplay now, mm -hmm. but I'll go yeah. ahead and get into it. Yeah, man. So I'm not here to praise that. Uh, I unlike you, I did not think this was what I would call a a, a top shelf shooter. And really? I'll explain, okay. I'll explain why. Okay. Um, <clears throat> number one, you've got, there's too much stuff on the screen. There's too much, for once, I mean, I was glorifying the stuff before, but there's a, it's a ludicrous, it's too hard. It's too hard a game. I got past the first level without cheating and then got through the second part of the second level. But I mean, as you get into the upper levels, cause I tried them all, it gets ludicrously hard. It's it, ridiculously hard. Secondly, it's cheap. Uh, the game is the the fact that you get the orbs to collect the orbs to upgrade your weapons. It's a double edged sword. Number one, because there's all the skulls that take away your health, but number two, you're perpetually fighting the possibility that you're going to get a weapon you don't want. The upgrade system in this is really interesting. Uh, there are you've basically got several different types of weapons. You've got sort of like these waves that shoot out. You've got bullets that shoot out. You've got flames that shoot out, and you've also got what they call dragon balls, which is like a series of like four or five balls. That yeah, shoot I, out think, I think with. every form that you take, insect form, bat form, and dragon form, they each have like three different uh, weapons of choice that you can. And get. Then, but once you well, any I mean, when you basically when you pick up a weapon, the form happens after you pick up the weapon. So whatever weapon you pick up, you become whatever form that shoots that weapon. The dragon has two, for example, and then. Let's pretend for a minute that you're playing the as a as a guy that shoots the dragon balls. Well, when you pick up a symbol for the dragon balls, you've got them. When you pick up another one, your dragon balls are faster. When you pick up a third one, the dragon balls come out in this elaborate pattern. And when you pick up a fourth one, it comes they come out in an even more elaborate pattern. So you're upgrading the existing weapon. They all do that. The waves do it. The the, the single bullets come out and explode, and you get more and more bullets. I like the upgrade path. The problem is when you are three or four levels up in your upgrade path and you're crushing everything on the screen, 
you've got so many upgrades coming out that it takes it almost inevitably you're going to touch up with an upgrade you don't want and then you're screwed because you've lost your awesome weapon and you're down to the crap weapon and that's why the game is so hard because you you always end up starting over with different weapons it's a huge pain and you spend as much time dodging those uh those upgrade balls as you do the enemies of their bullets and you've got to do all this stuff at the same time uh some of the weapons the, and I'm looking at I'm talking about the specifically the the uh, I think it's the bat that shoots just the regular bullets you can't differentiate those between other bullets and so the screen will be filled up with bullets and you so I would never recommend going down the path of the bullets even though it's a powerful path it's because you can't differentiate them with the enemy's bullets it's a huge hassle uh, that's so that's a real problem in the game. You also can get a couple power-ups that are interesting. There's a shield power-up that gives you like shields for a brief amount of time. There's an interesting one that you get that basically gives you a, a, a ball that just goes around and kills everything on the screen like slowly and it eventually goes away, uh, which was kind of that's kind of cool as well. So I mean they put a lot of thought into the power-ups and I appreciated that. <clears throat> but it's just that the game is just so difficult. And the, and the bullets are so plentiful that I just thought they w went over the top. They piled too much stuff in here, Boat, to, in my opinion. Okay. Well, I mean, we just disagree. I think that this this game is great. And, I mean, is it difficult? Yeah, but guess what? Every shooter is difficult. Every single one. Like, especially on 16-bit computers. So, I mean, it's in not the grand... The it's the design is the problem. But, it's I mean, not the, the, design, the design is the difficulty. <clears throat> Uh, you know, the, it was a design decision to put in tons of power downs. And do I hate that? Yes. I think that, that, is, that that's a dumb thing to do. But I think that part of the challenge of the game is you can't just blindly pick up everything that floats down. Now, what does become a problem is when you can't avoid it. And that does happen. Um, but, I mean, the, the, the problems that I have with this game like you said, like the, 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 there are too many ways to power down your weapon that you don't want. Because really, not uh, like once you hit a certain upgrade path, everything that you hit becomes a power down. Like every there's like most of the things that you can potentially pick up will either power your weapon down because it's a, the physical skull or it's just a crappier weapon. So that's that's a downside. I don't yeah. think that too many things on the screen. I mean, like that's like there's a whole genre of games where like there's tons of stuff on the screen and you've got to negotiate your way around it. There's the whole bullet hell genre. Now, right, that's a that's a much more well managed type of game. I don't do think they think put so? that much thought. Yeah, I mean, you don't think a, a bullet hell game where those guys sit around designed how the bullets come out and put a pattern in I there. I think you're selling uh, Mark short. I think he thought about all that stuff as he was programming this game. Well, and another, and I don't. And also, when it comes to the upgrades, a lot of games have game. Like, let's look at Raiden, for example, which has an upgrade path similar to this, where you pick them from multiple shots, and you get more and more, and you get better and better, which is fine. But the difference is, Raiden is not dumping a thousand orbs at you, upgrade orbs, all the time. Yeah, I, I do know? think I do think there are too many there are too many dropped power ups in this game. That is definitely a problem. That's that's my biggest problem with the game. I mean, listen, I love, I think it's a fun game. I played it. I'm not burying it, but I'm not going to sit here and say like I don't think it's better than Banshee, for example. I think Banshee's a more well thought out game. It's not as I don't think it's as pretty as this. I don't. I mean, there's this presentation on this is top shelf. Don't get me wrong. And it's a fun game. And I will say, I haven't gone through it, you know, 
invincibly. It was fun to look at all the different boards and see all the They get real creative with the bad guys. It's not just ships and stuff. You get, like, severed heads and hands that come up. And just, you can tell demo guys this real weird stuff. And it works because it's different. It's a magic world. You can get away with that kind of stuff. But I like their choice here because it left them open artistically to do things you normally wouldn't see in a game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I may be reading too much into this. No, no. I think think you're right. Whenever you introduce a fantastical world, that opens the door for having tons of cool-looking enemies and stuff going on. So Yeah. So, I mean, mean, is this going to be everyone's cup of tea? No. But, I mean, listen, as... Having played a lot of ST games, this is one of the best ones we've played. Okay, I'll, I'll go on record. It's it may be the best overall game, in t- you know, outside of Sundog, in terms of audio, v- presentation, video, everything. I mean, it's got a lot going for it. But the 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 meat of the game, I have some issues with it, but it's nothing that anyone should take as to turn them off of the game. And I'll I'll leave with this. I'll just say I've played a lot of this game this week because I enjoyed it. It's, but it is a difficult, frustrating game. It does have some some inherent flaws that make it from going all the way to the top, but it's still a good game. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's funny, uh, It's funny, Aaron, going back and, and looking at magazine reviews of these games. Uh, in, in 1991, uh, in January of 1991, uh, ST Format Magazine took a look back at the best games of 1990, and they had a bunch of different categories. And one of the categories was shoot 'em up. So they ranked the top uh, 10 best shoot 'em up games in 1990 on the Atari ST. Right. What number do you think Wings of Death got on this list? One, seven. Wow. What were the other six? Can I indul- at least give me a couple? Okay. Have we, have we heard of any of yeah, the other I ones? Yeah, I want to give you the. I want to give you the top six. Okay. Okay. Because I mean, there were a lot of Amiga shooters that got ported over, or vice versa. So maybe some of those. But number one, Xenon two. Okay. Okay. Number two, Blood Money. Huh. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to read you a little clip from the thing here. Psygnosis churns out exceptionally high quality games. They also have exceptionally high-quality, shiny packaging, which looks very, very nice on the shelf. That's true. This is an absolute corker with frantic two-player action that can't be faulted. It would hardly be going too far to call this an all-time classic. That's the biggest load of bull hockey I've ever heard in my life. Well, it does. Nothing about two, that is true, except for it it's got shiny, high-quality packaging. It, I mean, it does have a two-player element, which is that does differentiate it. It says but, it can't be faulted. Well, I mean, listen. It, it, know, they call it an all-time classic. This know, is the type of derangement syndrome that all the 16-bit magazines had back in the day. If it had a pretty box and it had a cool opening, bam, 90%. If it was by the Bitmap Brothers, bam, number one with the bullet. Xenon well, 2. The Bitmaps are at it again, Aaron. God, I like, what I a like waste. Xenon 2. It's what probably, a waste I'm of glad, print. I'm glad you mentioned that, by the way. This game features the ship from Xenon 2, and one of the aliens appears later from Xenon 2. I'm sure as I'm sitting here that they stuck a couple Xenon 2 uh, bits in this. If you go, if you look as you fly over one of the areas, there's a Xenon 2 ship parked down there. And if you, if, if one of the later areas, the little like tadpole ships from Xenon 2 uh, 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 are one of the aliens. I'm sure of it. So I, I think there may be some kind of loose connection here. I like Xenon 2. It's not for everyone, but I thought it was a, a interesting, uh, beautiful game with a lot of cool sound. It's definitely pretty and it definitely has a good soundtrack. 
And, and I thought it was the gameplay was unique. But this, like I said, this game, this game sort of reminds me. What was that crazy game on the Amiga we played where you played the bug? Apidia. Apidia. This is. I mean, obviously that was a side scroller. But I mean the the beauty of the graphics and stuff and the, and the, and it this is somewhere I put it in the same kind of category as that. That's another game that was a fun game, but it was just flawed. Uh, now this one I don't think is as flawed, but I think they're both good games, and I think this is a this is certainly one you're going to try out. And I, I doubt it's the seventh best shooter of 1990. That's I want to play the other six. Well, we I was going to say yet. just to round out the list, number three R type. Number okay. four, Thunderstrike, which is like a 3D uh, uh, polygon shooter. I don't think I've played number that Number five one. is Turrican, and number six is a game we played on the Amiga, Simulcra. Remember Simulcra? I don't think Turrican. I wouldn't really put that I in the same. I wouldn't put that as a shooter. Uh, that yeah, I mean, it's not. Sense, yeah, so. and what was the last one again? Simulcra. Remember playing I, that? That was the game where you bounce around a lot, like it's a 3D game, and you bounce Oh, yeah, on yeah. I don't know. Would you yeah. put that one ahead of no, this one? No, but, I mean, anything that had flat-shaded polygons, they're going to put above that. Well, yeah, I suppose. Well, listen, thing. The, uh, magazines aside, if you haven't tried this one out yet, it, have a look. I mean, th- the guys at Thalion, listen, they were sort of like Psygnosis Light. They had cool openings and demo stuff and cool sounds. I don't know the box. I'll grant. I'll grant it. They're not the box. This no. Isn't as good as the psychosis. No. But they. Were, I mean, I think this game. You could have put the psychosis label on this, and it would have fit right in. Frankly, so there you go. I, I liked it. What did the? What did we get any reviews well, on this one? Uh, the. Uh, the. I just wanted to go over quickly the magazines of the day. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's an average rating of eighty-three percent from four ratings. So okay. That's uh, you not know, bad. Yeah. I mean, that's that's not bad. I, you know, I think that's fair. And the, uh, I mean, we didn't mention it, but this game's got some pretty. I mean, you mentioned a couple of the bosses. There's some pretty interesting bosses in this, and the boss battles I didn't think were super tough, but they were fun, yeah. and the, the bosses looked good. Yeah, you know, so. yeah, absolutely. They're nice and big, and that's what I yeah. like. Um, now we did get some Discord reviews. First up is Photon Storm. He says, "I love this game back in the day, so decided to play it again on a real STE without using any trainers or cheats." The first thing that strikes you is the very demo scene nature of the presentation. This is to be expected, of course, given the team behind it. When demo scene coders make games, they are technically proficient, but very often fall down when it comes to the gameplay. Thankfully, Wings of Death is mostly great in this regard. The slick opening with beautiful title screen leads to a polished menu with a stunning piece of digitized music. If you dig into the options, you'll see they recognize and take advantage of extra hardware such as the blitter. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about that either. There's a ton of hardware options for your different STs, which I, I do appreciate that. That is very cool. I also like that you uh, you can pick to have music, sound effects, or a mixture. The sound effects on their own are too overpowering, so I much prefer to listen to the superb soundtrack instead. The gameplay is a pretty standard vertically scrolling shoot 'em up The scrolling is smooth, the attack patterns and waves are varied, and there is an extensive range of power-ups. Most, but not all, of the ground scenery is harmless, and you can see they've really tried to make the enemy bullets stand out from the lush backgrounds. The problem is, it's incredibly difficult. Even allowing for my old man reflexes, I found some of the design choices downright evil. One of the items dropped by dead baddies is a skull, which when collected does really nasty things to you, like drain loads of energy. There's nothing more frustrating than working really hard to take down a giant foe, only to have it to deposit a power down right in your face. The variety of weapons is also more of a hindrance than you'd expect. 
For example, it's incredibly easy to accidentally swap from a fully powered up flame weapon to the annoying beam shot in the heat of battle when bullets and baddies are flying everywhere. It's extremely hard not to select a weapon change that actually decreases your firepower, which is a real shame as some of the weapons are sublime once you've upgraded them a couple of times. Having said that, I still enjoyed my time with this. I managed to clear the first level and get through most of level two. With the trainer, I would happily complete the whole thing just to experience the graphical variety of each level and music on offer. The development team polished Wings of Death until it shone. Proper love went into this, and it really shows. Yes, it's balls hard. Yes, it has some very annoying design choices, but I still find it technically and sonically innovative. It highlights Thalion's steadily, steady evolution in the pedigree of games they released and remains an ST milestone to this day, 8 out of 10. Wow quite a review but yes Bajaco 6502 writes proving again that in the right hands the atari st can hold its own against the other 16-bit machines wings of death is a tough but fun shooter and once you learn the patterns and don't play like a tool you can get through it no. the theme is a bit mix and match but it all works well and it's an interesting game for sure i only managed to reach about two-thirds of the way through level two and that giant bug was amazing to see with no slowdown either my son said that the weapon announcer sounded brain dead, and I agree the announcer could be more enthusiastic. A couple of negatives for me are the skull downgrade pickup. Get rid of that. Sometimes it's confusing to work out your shots from the enemy ones when everything is orange, and I kept accidentally hitting new game instead of continue in a rush to get back into the action. Graphics and audio are fantastic, and it all runs at a fair pace as well. Overall, a solid shooter for the ST and one that has enough staying power to bring you back for more. 8 out of 10. Salem OK writes, Thalion is the house that was probably able to make the most of the ST technically. A union of demo coders from Germany, Sweden, and the UK participated in the making of ST and STE games that pushed the limits like no other studio. Wings of Death is a prime example of that. Gorgeous graphics, great music throughout, digital sound effects, smooth scrolling, tight controls, all technical aspects here are top-notch and wouldn't leave you wanting for any other 16-bit platform. The game itself is a classic vertical shooter, and that design has several. And the design has several flaws. The bonus system is unfair and sets you back more often than it helps you. To the point where once you have a decent weapon, you're better off avoiding the bonuses just as much as the enemies, which become a bit too much to handle where you're under heavy fire already. Not even mentioning bonuses that materialize so close to you that you don't get a chance to avoid them. Mm. The other flaw is the difficulty. I was not able to make it past the first level even with unlimited lives. Only with unlimited wow. energy was I able to make it past the first level and then cruise through like a tourist, enjoying the landscape, various enemies, patterns and waves, and the gorgeous ship music. Was that the Xenon 2 ship that I saw landed on the floor of level 1? This game was made by ST lovers who took the time to make a game that would make the most of whatever hardware you had. Nobody else took that level of care for the various ST versions and made sure to deliver the whole range of users. Overall, a rather good game, great technical achievement with some design flaws. And finally, Z9K9 writes, A genial Euro shmup that draws a little from the weapon-swapping frenzy of a lust and the memorization of our type has memorably cool-looking levels and decent enemy choreography. But what makes this game a happening is the music. Yak and Hipple and the ST's sound chip were made for each other. The blend of hard plastic tones and crunchy lo-fi percussion is honey to my ears. I didn't find it so difficult, at least compared to Lethal Excess. It's appropriately named sequel, but win or lose, the flowing dance of color and sound is always a good time. 8 out of 10. Now, Aaron, 
I did uh, hear from our buddy Pajaco6502, who actually put us in touch with Mark himself, the programmer himself. Oh, neat. So uh, a lot of the backstory that I read at the beginning of this game was actually provided by Mark. Uh, And so it's straight from the horse's mouth, as it were. So we want to thank uh, Mark and thank Pajaco for reaching out to him. You know, Pajaco has got friends in high places, and he's always able to to touch base with these really famous designers. And I did, I forgot to mention who did the music, so I'm glad Z9K9 mentioned it. Jochen Hippel, man, what a soundtrack, what a guy. Hey, is that why you didn't want me to bury the bullet play earlier? <laughs> because you were in contact with the guy. Listen, it's a good game. I just there. I'm just the, not going to say. Listen, this guy definitely did not plan the bullet and enemy paths because we hey, have listen, no way of knowing that. All I know is every single person aside from me that just wrote in said the same thing. Uh, you know, uh, uh, and also I was happy to hear someone else mention the fact that they saw ship from Xenon Two in there because I absolutely, I'm sure that's where it's from. But yeah, a fun game, a different sort of game. And a, a welcome surprise uh, uh, on the ST. This gives me uh, a newfound hope, Boat. Yeah, and I do want to mention that, of course, they, uh, as uh, some of our reviewers mentioned, the game was followed by a sequel, Lethal Excess Wings of Death in 1991. Oh, boy. Wings so we, should, we can cover that somewhere down the line. Yeah, yeah. Outstanding. Um, and I looked this game up on eBay. It is an expensive game. Uh, the last one sold on March 18th. Uh, and it sold uh, 2023. It sold for 124 dollars and 56 cents, plus five dollars shipping from Germany. Holy so, smokes! Yeah, holy expensive yeah, we'll, game. Won't be adding this. And that's just collection. that's just the floppy, just the floppy. So, mm. um, now Aaron, it's time to bid a fond farewell to Wings of Death. Listeners, we want to hear your feedback. Please, please like this video. Give us a sub on YouTube. It really helps. Uh, and uh, if you want to listen on audio, you can check out uh, our uh, anchor page, anchor.com or anchor.fm slash Atari ST show. You can find us on all the podcast directories. Uh, if you want to support our show, you can visit patreon.com slash Atari ST show. We do have a goal there. If we can get to $200 a month in Patreon support, the Atari ST show will go from a monthly show to a weekly show. And we are ever increasingly reaching that goal. Oh, man. That leads us to our ST supporter roll call. So we want to thank all these fine folks for supporting the Atari ST show on Patreon. Chicote and David Cavalieri, Control-Alt-Reese, Laurent Giroux, Twilight Zoner, Wanderly Chesham, Retro Jerry, and Bernard Quinn. Thank you. If you like our format and you want to hear more, feel free to check out our other shows, Amigos, Everything Amiga, Ira Sinclair, an American take on the ZX Spectrum, The Coco Show, which is all about gaming on the Tandy Color Computer, and ARG Presents, where Aaron and the Brent spin the wheel and make the deal. Mm. All these shows can be found on the Amigos Retro Gaming YouTube channel or at anchor.fm slash Amigos Podcast. Aaron, what are we going to be playing next time? Let's take a look, bud. Oh, man. It's my obsession. Remember that song? Yeah. It's obsession. Yeah. So I guess next month is pinball month, Boat. That's right. Obsession. This is not a game that I have played at all, at all. And so it'll be fun checking out now, Aaron, this unique development, Sweden. They are the programmers of Substation. So we'll get to see them dip their toe into the world of pinball. Oh, man. Oh, man. (laughs) Listen, I've got an idea, Boat. 
instead of just uh, doing a review of Obsession, let's let's do 15 to 20 pinball tables. All in one show. Just, just like the old days, out. but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you all so much for listening. If you're a member of our Patreon community, jump on Discord, post a review for us to read of Obsession. We will see you next time. And until then, make sure you play your Atari today.